Simsisms. Leaderhouse. Uh, another record he's broke. It's 36 touchdowns, four interceptions, 118 quarterback rating, the number one rating in the sport right now. And I think he is in the in the leader house or in the in the clubhouse as the uh, leader for the MVP right now. Leader house. Leader house. Oh, leader house. <laughs> we've got we've got you know le le leader house and leader house. It's concise. It gets it there. He's a leader in the clubhouse. Let's just call it the leader house. The hell with all those other words. <laughs> Simsisms. You know, it's funny when we did respectful yesterday. Yeah. It was bothering me. There's another one this week, and I couldn't remember what it was. Leader so, house. Well done. Woo. Control room. Yeah. Leader house. Wow. But, what? You know, why? Why say leader in the clubhouse when you can just say leader house? Uh, hey, I think you're on to something. I hey, listen. I might be so stupid. I'm smart. I, I think we <laughs> might be getting there. I think we might be getting there. Where it's like, damn, that's so stupid. It makes sense. I get it. Um, what I want to know is why. What were the well, – why would it not say leader house? What was leader what, – well, there was like some like German writing there at the end. Leader house? Like yeah. what, what is that? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the umlaut, and that's the German style of uh, of leader house. Okay. So, All um, right. Well done and, by – And actually, e I, guess, I guess if we were going to do the whole thing, it would be L-E-D-E-R-H-A-U umlaut S, but let's not get too deep. That's what that's called, the umlaut? Let's just umlaut. I didn't know umlaut. that. Yes, okay. the umlaut. Every once in a while, there's a guy in the NFL that has an umlaut. That's how I became aware of the name umlaut. If I recall correctly, and this is a very specific memory that I have for no reason at all, I was painting the wainscoting in my son's room before he was born watching an NFL game on a preseason game. And it was the Rams and it was Vern Lundquist and someone from the Rams had an umlaut. So Pete, look back to the 1996 Rams, find the guy that had an umlaut in his name. Tom Newton with the umlaut. Yes, wow. that's what it was. Wow. That's what it was. That's how I learned. I learned about the umlaut while I was – you know, on my side, on my back, on my knees, painting the the wainscoting in my son's uh, That's nursery. amazing. I so, love it. All right. Uh, all right. What were we talking about today? Oh, uh, a, a significant development. Now, I, I thought it was huge earlier this year when the NFL took the Packers-Colts game and moved it to 425 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday when Cowboys at Vikings was due to be the marquee late afternoon 425 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. That that is one kind of that's kind of the the old glove slap in the face. Right. You know how they used to do the gloves? Yeah. They wouldn't slap you. They'd take the glove off and they'd hit you with the glove. Like who's that gonna hurt? This is the full blown roundhouse slap. Like yeah, yeah like this is the old who was the the Jaguars guy that used to get hit in the face before uh, the game? Marcus John Stroud Henderson. or John Henderson? You're yeah, right. That's John Henderson. Yeah. Yes, that's what this is because the Cowboys have been flexed out of prime time Sunday night football. Cowboys 49ers. Are you kidding me? They're gone. Browns Giants is installed as the Sunday night game for Week 15. I love the it. Cowboys had never been flexed out of Sunday night football. That's the the team everyone wants. You want the Cowboys. The Cowboys bring the numbers. The Cowboys bring the interest. The Cowboys bring the eyeballs. Not this year. And, and I remember asking Stephen Jones within the past two years, how is it that this team continues to – and I did it in a very 
positive way. It wasn't like, gee, you guys stink. Why does anyone watch you? It was, <laughs> how is it that you've managed to continue this mystique and this draw and this attraction when, when, when the, the results haven't matched it? And, well, this year they haven't been able to maintain the mystique and the attraction and the draw because they got flexed out of prime time for the Browns and the Giants, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm glad. That's all I can really say. I mean, that's that's the first thing. I don't want to – Dallas, I, I mean, is arguably the worst watch in football right now. They're, they're, they're up there. I mean, I'm dead serious. I, 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 there's, a, there's a part of me that I think would rather watch the Jets play than the, the Dallas Cowboys in a lot of ways. And I know there's oh, this, especially if they're going to go zero blitz. Well, yeah, uh, late right. In the game, absolutely. <laughs> like it's great, great theater always. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the Cowboys, of course, were trying to do their own stupid stuff early in the year too to make great theater as well. But uh, I mean, I get it. You know what? What? What's the first off? The 49ers, they are not what they you know were last year. They're on. They're teetering on. They really can't even make one more mistake, or they're done. And even if they don't make that mistake, they're going to have to hope other teams make some mistakes here. And then Dallas, yeah, Andy Dalton and the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. I mean, no, negative Ghost Rider. I mean, Cleveland is intriguing right now. Cleveland has officially entered the cream of the crop of the NFL, and they have star power, and it's a good city. You know, it's got a great fan base, and these are old powers of the NFL, and the Giants have a little bit of intrigue here too. You know, people might not know a lot of their players, but I think a lot of the national media is a little bit like, whoa, the Giants and Joe Judge, they, they got what are they doing? They kind of got something good going on here. So I, I'm very excited that we have made that move here at NBC, and I think it'll be a far better football game and better to watch and everything. And, and again, it's the NFL's decision. It's not NBC's decision. The NFL decides which games are best suited to the primetime audience, and this is a gift from the NFL, a pre-Christmas gift from the NFL to the football fan that may be watching on Sunday night, the the week 15, which would be, what is it, December 20, right. I think it is. Right. That that game is uh, is going to be a better game now because the Browns are a contender. The Giants are a contender. Well, hey, yeah. th th Colt McCoy may still be pay playing quarterback. For I the hope Giants. not, and 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 there's a there's a hey there's a neat little revenge angle because who did Colt McCoy first play for? He played for the Cleveland Browns. I kind of like the the symmetry there. There's a lot like of that? stuff. There's a lot. The, how about the Odell Beckham Jr. trade? A lot of these guys he's on not, the Giants. You know are, he's not playing. I know, but still, there's business here. You know where the Giants have got Jabril Peppers and Kevin Zeitler, who are very good players for their team from the Browns, and that and yeah, Odell's not playing. There's also the angle of, let's not forget, what did Baker Mayfield say about Daniel Jones before the draft yes. last year? We had a call. Yes. Oh, that could be fun to watch, too. You know, so that's why I want Daniel Jones back. No disrespect to Colt McCoy. Hook him horns, buddy. But, yeah, uh, I want to see that aspect of that, too, let alone, man, Giants, Browns. That's like. I don't know. That just rings 1958 to me. It's kind of old school, and I like it. It might be the last time these two teams were good where it means something. So uh, I'm all for watching this on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I, I really uh, agree with you, and I probably would prefer Daniel Jones to be back for that game. They are optimistic he'll play this week against the Cardinals. I still Ooh. don't know how you come back from that, that hamstring that was aggravated when they put him back in the game the day that the injury happened against the Bengals. I don't know how you come back from it in only two weeks, but we'll see. They've got... They've got all sorts of medical techniques and devices available, yeah. although I know you, you strongly believe that they're not as good as they could be with some of the technologies they use to get players back, but but who knows? We'll find out. Yep. It's still uh, a week 
and uh, a couple of days away before we see the Giants and the Browns get together. Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys coach, addressed this yesterday, being flexed out of primetime. These are the types of things that I guess happen when you're not successful. We're disappointed. Make no bones about it. Well, they should be disappointed because this is more than just you're having a bad year yeah. because the Cowboys have had bad years over the past 25 seasons. They haven't been back to the NFC Championship game since the last time they won a Super Bowl. It is the Cowboys, Washington, and Detroit, the only three teams in the NFC that haven't played in an NFC Championship game since the 1995 season. That is embarrassing. But the Cowboys still, up until this year, had that that aura, and now it's gone. And, and look, it'll be back next year if they keep Dak Prescott. Doesn't this play to Dak Prescott's advantage, Yeah, Chris? All of uh, it I, does. I, well, yeah, because you've got a guy who who had resonated with fans. Exactly. Who the fans love. And if anything, they love him more after what he endured earlier this year when he broke his leg, broke his ankle. Uh, this, 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 is, this is even more money flowing as it rightfully should in the direction of Dak Prescott because they need him to get their shine back. Well, yeah, he's he, it's like a double whammy with the shine, too. It's like, one, okay, Dallas is obviously better with Dak Prescott, a quarterback, and Dak Prescott, I know they weren't winning a ton of games when he was there healthy, but holy cow, they were a lot more competitive, and he gave you the, he gave you the chance in every game where even though you went, huh, their defense stinks and this isn't going well, well, Prescott and these receivers, he'll 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 make plays and they'll they'll stay in it. I mean, D Dak Prescott again. Uh, I think we all undervalued maybe his importance to that football team and how good he is. It's not sexy and you know highlight and like sidearm throws and no look throws and just so so it, it's maybe not as intriguing to fans and the media and everything that way. But the results are effective. And then Mike, like to what you're saying, at least he's a a face of the franchise type guy. He is a guy that I think, you know, yeah, he, he, he adds something to the lure of the, the, the show in which, uh, which is the Dallas Cowboys, you know, handsome black guy, you know, is just good leader, charismatic, awesome on commercials, does everything professional, all that. So he adds to that aspect of them too, to where, yeah, if it was him, you know, in three and eight football team, it's it's like okay I I could watch this this is kind of fun even though they're not good I know he's gonna put on a good show and make some things happen here uh, but without him you're right it's it's a boring story and there's nothing really I'm excited to turn in tune in and watch with Dallas right now they need him back next year they definitely need him back there's a question about the coaching staff a point Shereen Williams made yesterday on PFTPM that Mike Nolan the defensive coordinator could be in serious, serious jeopardy. Yeah. Stephen Jones made a comment on radio that, hey, you know, the guys who are struggling this year to stop the run are the same guys last year who were able to stop the run. Yeah. In other words, it ain't them. Right. It's and and this this is a tension that we spotted weeks ago because for most teams, the coaching staff and the general manager, right, you have that. Well, are you getting the right players as the GM and as the coaching staff? Are you coaching up? the guys that we've given you in Dallas, the GM is Jones and Jones. It's Steven and it's Jerry. And they're the ones picking these players. So the coaching staff is always going to lose that argument. And look, I don't, I don't believe that they would fire Mike McCarthy after one year. I think Mike Nolan's out. I don't think they'd fire Mike McCarthy after one year because right. they know that in a roundabout way, and it's not all that roundabout. 
that they'd be admitting that they made a huge mistake yeah. hiring him. They right. kind of fell in love with him in one meeting and they rushed to make the decision. But you know, I, I that well, that was before they got flexed out of Sunday night football. I, I can't help but wonder whether or not getting flexed out of Sunday night football changes the analysis about whether or not they should just press the reset button after this season. I'm with you. I mean, Mike Nolan, I understand that. I do. You know, listen, I'm, I'm a Mike Nolan fan. I am. You know, there's a lot of blame to go there, as you know that, right? I mean, we talked about this. Why did you hire Mike Nolan? You know he doesn't play the defense that fits what your defense from last year did. That makes no sense. You can also look at Mike Nolan and go, well, hey – I know this is not what you do, but your your players can't do what you want in your defense. So how about we revert back to a little bit of what we did last year and play that style? So there's a little bit of both to go around there. I think more blame goes on the Jones family and just the thought there of why bring a guy in that runs a different defense that doesn't fit your personnel scheme. That does not make sense. So... Uh, but I understand the blame for Mike Nolan, and it's been a bad look. And I mean, it's just obvious now, and all of that. The McCarthy thing, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think they're one to to fire after a year. They believe it. I think they are smart enough to know you got to build something. But also, it looks bad on them to make a switch that quickly. It shows that they were egregiously wrong, and it was more than just the results on the field and injuries that you know dishearten them or make that move to to fire him if they did. So. I, I, I think McCarthy will be back as well, but with the way this year has gone, and if it doesn't end well, he's going to be already on the next year going into year two where you're going to go, okay, this is it. It's a make or break year. He's on the hot seat already in year two of his, his coaching career here in, in Dallas. There's another wrinkle to this, and this is something that Shereen Williams, who covered the Cowboys for years before she joined us a few years back, pointed out when we were talking earlier in the year about is McCarthy in trouble? Jerry Jones on the surface has nothing in common with Mike Brown, the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals. However, at a certain level, they have one thing in common. They are both extremely careful with money. Jerry Jones is not going to want to pay Mike McCarthy for multiple years to not coach the Cowboys. When did Jason Garrett finally get fired? When his contract expired, right? No buyout for Jason Garrett. Well, so. Yeah. So, so that, that's a factor in this as well. Yeah, the idea you. that you would be paying, you would be rewarding financially Mike McCarthy to go away and not be your head coach. And that may be something that Jerry Jones doesn't want to do. I think the bigger factor, though, is just the, the admission that you screwed up. You know, and, uh, yes. and look, what, what, are the best, what do the best football teams do when they make a mistake? The best organizations admit the mistake and move on. But sometimes you do get too much of the ego tied up in it, and you're not willing to admit the mistake, Chris. No, yeah, you're you're right. Um, also, if it was a mistake, and maybe it maybe it wasn't. Maybe that, it that's wasn't. What but I mean. I'll tell you what. This this season, I I I I look back at my predictions going in, and I'm 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 not too proud to admit this. I had the Cowboys as the one seed. What was I drinking that day? You're not alone. I, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I think I picked the Cowboys to go into the, into the playoffs, too. I, I mean, I, so uh, I, I don't think you're crazy. I can name a few people who picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, too, in, in NFL media and things like that, too. So uh, I don't think that was, like, out of this world um, to think that before the year, especially when we don't get to see preseason football or do anything like that. You know, you think they're going to carry over a little of what they had last year. We never envisioned their defense was going to fall apart like this. 
we didn't think Dak Prescott was going to get hurt and all of that as well. Um, so, and we were excited about their offensive weapons. I, I mean, I, I don't, I think I, I understand those thoughts, Mike. I, I, I do. And, you know, even saying all that, I mean, they had chances early on in the year, you know, to do a lot of different things. I mean, game was mismanaged, you know, with the Rams, the Seahawks game, they had a chance there. Of course, Cleveland, we know they had a chance in that football game too. I mean, there's, there's plenty of opportunities where they could have righted this ship to be respectful, but they didn't. Uh, but I'm with you. I don't think they make that type of change with McCarthy unless, unless these last few weeks just became an absolute debacle. And then maybe they go back to the drawing board. But I, I have a hard time believing that. Well, you could argue it's been a debacle lately. It was a debacle against the Ravens. It was definitely a debacle against Washington, losing at home in front of 30 million people watching on TV. And that's what makes that flex out so stunning. They drew 30 million people to watch them play and lose to Washington on Thanksgiving. But, look, I, I think that spot is going to draw 30 million. Just about. No matter which team. This year, in pandemic, yeah. everyone's starving for anything to do. Like, I, I, you're right. They – they could have put on just about any game, and I think it would have got pretty damn high ratings. And we will, by the end of this year, assuming that the Vikings and Saints game goes forward as scheduled on Christmas Day, there will have been an NFL game played every day of the week. And that leads into something that we've kicked around from time to time. I wrote something about this yesterday. Yeah. There's definitely a thought Come on. in some of the upper reaches of the league to expand the windows. Now, this isn't because, hey, people seem to like Tuesday night football. They seem to like Wednesday night football. They seem to like doubleheaders on Mondays. This is an anticipation of where the, the puck is moving as it relates to gambling. Because at some point before too long, and you think of how much the world's changed just since May of 2018 when the Supreme Court opened the floodgates for every state to adopt legalized sports wagering. And, and it's still changing all the time. At some point... You will be able, while watching a game, you will be seeing in real time what's happening in the stadium. The latency issue will be gone. So when you pick up your cell phone device and you make a bet on what's going to happen on the next play, you can lock it in. There's no chance that someone knows what's already occurred. What you see in your home is what's happening in the stadium. Once we get to that point, the market and the reason and the motivation, Chris, for having as few games on as possible will be significant because they want people to get engaged with one game. Yeah, they want that action. On one right, game. Right. On one, you know, let's watch this one game yeah. and let's bet on whether or not it's going to be a run or a pass. Right. Are going to score a touchdown or a field goal on this drive? Um, and, and if you have seven games going on at once, you're wasting opportunities to create this one thing. Yeah. That you know, millions of people can focus on and wager on at once. That that's what's driving this thought of creating more windows. Whether it's more windows on Sunday, the early morning game that we see in London from time to time, two games on Monday, a game on Tuesday, a game on Wednesday, a game on Thursday. You can play every day except Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday is prohibited by the NFL's broadcast and a trust exemption to protect high school and college football. The other five days of the week, it's open season. And I'm not saying this is going to be in the next TV contract, but that's where the puck is moving. Get ready for this reality. And, and you know what? It could move there faster because people like having these games 
on Tuesday and Wednesday night. I, I didn't know what to do with myself last night. No, I didn't either. I love it. I, I mean, I, I think the NFL is crazy not to get in, like, in, you know, in, involved in the next TV deals. Like, let's go. It's the market's there. Who cares? And you're, I mean, so many games in general just get lost in the shuffle on Sunday, one o'clock. Oh, there's seven games going on, eight games. Like that, nobody knows or cares about some of them to to know what's going on or any of that. You know, it goes on in other sports. And I think what we've learned this year, and I think we could do it even better. But we've learned that we can move schedules and manage and find it out the right way. You know, they're having to do the right thing as far as player safety and figure out how to make sure they give teams the proper rest and figure out the right way to do it. But I would think logistically and all of that, that they could figure out to have those games, you know, all nights of the week. And I, I, I think it's great. You know, I, Hey, over at England and soccer, they play all nights of the week, every, all the time. Um, I don't understand why we can't do that now. And I think this year has proven we're capable of pulling it off. It just got to do it the right way. I don't want to see what we saw with the Ravens and Steelers this past week where, you know, they're going to play two games in four days or two games in five days and do right. that. We got to limit right. that stuff to just once in a while type of, you know, scenario. Well, and, and, you know, I've heard the argument that maybe it's time to bring the second buy back. They experimented with that back in 1993 and 18 remember season that. for yeah. 16 games. Right. So you could, you could go with, you know, you, you, you play on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then you have your buy that weekend as the case may be, or, you know, you could have, the same team play Wednesday and Wednesday. Weeks. You could have play right. Wednesday and Wednesday, or, tu or, right. or Tuesday and Wednesday, right. or Monday and Tuesday, or Tuesday and Monday. There's a lot of flexibility there. There is. I, 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 it will, it will not be something that Howard Katz and the scheduling folks embrace uh, as a positive because it will complicate their lives. Chris, the other thing too is to the extent that you know you, you start moving games around and flexing games, you do get. You do get fan expectations in play where I've got tickets to a game at four o'clock on Sunday. Wait, it's Tuesday now. Well, I'm supposed to be out of town on Tuesday. That, you know, so I don't think they could go that far. No, I don't think they but, can either. But you could structure the schedule. Right. In April. And everyone knows when the games are going to be. Yeah. And and look, do you, do you run the risk of having a stinker on a, on a Wednesday night in December? Yes. But. If people are just looking for things to bet on, I mean, let, we got to be realistic about it. The Supreme Court opened this Pandora's box, this box full of Pandora. She's as you in would there. Say. She's in there. And and, and 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 once it fully matures, it doesn't matter if it's Jaguar. Remember when Jaguars Titans was that Thursday night game that we were like, oh God, every we have year to watch this right. again this year, right. and the Jaguars are wearing the mustard uniforms and. And it just was an awful display. Well, no, now it's it's uh, hey, you know, we who, what's going to happen this drive, and how many how many touchdowns will will Tennessee score if right. it is a bad game like that? So it's it's there, and I feel like it's coming. I just don't know how soon it's going to come. But and it's not because Chris, you and I like it. It's because there's a lot of money of to course. be made by breaking those games out of that seven, eight, or nine-game cluster at 1 o'clock Eastern on a Sunday. Yeah, that's what I don't break. like, just that cluster. That's my, probably my one big negative of all NFL scheduling right now is, you know, is, 
or our job and as a fan, it's just it's it's just a lot to watch. Yeah, forget the job, but even as a fan, before I got in this job and had that year where I sat out of football, man, it used to drive me crazy at one o'clock trying to sit on the couch, watch all the games, get a feel for what's going on, or there might be three really good games going on that have implications. You're like, damn, I just can't pay attention to all of them. Uh, if they could fix that, I mean, it would be awesome. The first Sunday of football season, when you have waited months to watch a game that counts and you have this explosion of activity that overloads the senses. I've said many times, it's the equivalent of coming down the stairs on Christmas morning and having all of your presents unwrap themselves simultaneously. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> yeah. It's too much. There's a, there's a better way to do it that allows football fans to focus, to enjoy, to appreciate, and ultimately to wager their hard-earned money on whether or not they're going to run the ball, pass the ball, score a touchdown, do whatever. Let's take a break. When we return, speaking of things on which you can wager, some prop bets for tonight's Rams-Patriots game, Thursday Night Football, Week 14. We'll get you ready for that by discussing some of these potential wagers if you're so inclined to make them when PFT Live continues right after this. Jared, what's your standout memory from the Super Bowl? Um... You know, not very many good ones. There's not many parallels that you can draw from that game and this game. The teams are so different. The offenses, our offense is different. Their defense is different. Yeah, I would expect him to say that. Uh, not many good memories, and it really is a different experience altogether. When you only score three points to cap a season where the offense was one of the most magical that we can recall, really the best Rams offense since the greatest show-offs on turf, uh, to only score three points in the Super Bowl, not something you'd want to remember even only two years later. All right, some prop bets for tonight's Patriots-Rams game. As always, the odds are provided by the Points Bet Sportsbook. Cam Newton, over-under passing yards, the highly specific number of 185.5. Chris, what do you got? I, I'm going under here. I, I, I don't think this is going to lend itself to a lot of big plays, you know, new England show they're capable of winning a game with Cam Newton throwing for 75 yards, 68 yards, whatever. It doesn't matter all the way. It's just about, you know, those handful of throws that are going to be a third down. Are they going to hit those during the game? But I, I just can't imagine many big plays happening uh, for them throughout through the past game. You know, the, the, the secondary for the Rams is legit. They are really good. And, of course, have Jalen Ramsey and guys that are going to be able to lock up these Patriot receivers. And Staley Smart, too, on the defensive coordinator for the Rams, where he's not going to put his guys in man-to-man -man every play and do that. He plays a lot of cool zone coverages as well. I, I would be shocked if he throws for 185. 84 yards week 12 against the Cardinals, 69 yards week 13 against the Chargers, and they still won 45 to nothing. So I agree with you. It'll be under that. Jared Goff over under 265 point five what do you think he'll do I, I i gotta go under there too that that's just too many yards for me i mean the, this patriots they're secondary and then then the added of you know we, we've talked about this before the the drop back pass game and the mcveigh pass game even off of boots and play actions is not overly complicated you know, it gets complicated when you start. they start running the ball on you, and then you start going, whoa, wait, I can't cover some of those things because I need to help out on the run, and that's when he's really got you by, you know, the, the proverbial kahunas there. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be that type of game. No, I, I, would, I would have a hard time believing Jared Goff throws for that many yards. I'm going under all the way there. 
Jared Goff has been spectacular on Thursday Night Football with Sean McVay as the head coach. I recall a game in late September of 2018 where the Rams and Goff shredded the Vikings. Yeah. Two and one on Thursday Night Football. Passing yards per game, 384. Passing touchdowns to interceptions in those three games, nine and one, and a passer rating of 127.6. Pretty damn good. I, I'm still going under because you know what? He hasn't played the Patriots on Thursday night before. No. So it's it's the quality of the opposition that helps dictate what kind of a game you're going to have. Right. And I think Super Bowl 53 is a lot more relevant to me than what day of the week it is. Yeah, I can remember two out of those three games. I mean, one of them was last year, the Seahawks, right, a Thursday night game, which, again, you know, the Seahawks defense hasn't been good in five years, so that's nothing to write home about. And then, you know, the game you're talking about, that Minnesota game, that was the game that was one of, like, early parts of our life together where – it, remember what did they have Anthony Barr covering Robert Woods 70 yards down the field like oh yeah uh yeah but that was that was probably one of Jared Goff's best game of his career some of the throws and things he did that game were pretty damn special um, but that's what we talk about there it's few and far between of when we have seen that yeah Barr got repeatedly victimized that night I think three touchdowns ended up being scored by the guy that they assigned Barr to cover. And it's not Barr's fault. He shouldn't have been covering the yeah, guy. Right. All right, more rushing yards. Damian Harris of the Patriots or Cam Akers of the Rams? I'm going to go with Damian Harris. I mean, he's their guy. He's their go-to running back. And he is their offense as far as yardage outputs concerned. So they're going to feed him the ball, and he's going to have opportunities. Akers, I think, can have a solid night. But I just think there's going to be more spreading of the wealth within the Rams offense, you know, whether it's Henderson and then, hey, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and all of that to where they don't have to ride one guy as much as New England. New England has to have Damian Harris have a solid night if they want to be in the game, competitive, whatever. I mean, there's no other avenue. So, I mean, unless some other running back goes off, I don't know, is Sony Michelle 100% healthy tonight? Can he play? I don't know. I mean, but – uh, I'm expecting Damian Harris to be the guy. Yeah, you know, I, I I feel like they're moving toward in in L.A. Yeah, making Cam Akers the guy. Seems so I'm like going to go Akers just because I feel like that they're, they're that you know Daryl Henderson is becoming the backup to Akers and Malcolm Brown is just the guy who's who's there. Yeah. And it was supposed to be more of a three headed monster. So I'm going to lean Akers. More receiving yards. The over under for Cooper Cup via points bet is fifty nine point five. For Robert Woods, it's 58.5. Who has more receiving yards? Ooh, man, I, I'm, I don't even know there. I mean, really, if you made me pick, I'd probably go with like one of their – like Gerald Everett in this type of game over rather than these two guys because I just would be shocked like if Belichick's – the Belichick's, you know, son and father let uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods go up. I, I, I'll go with Cooper Cup. Uh, I'll go with Cooper Cup. I don't, I don't even know why. I just feel like Robert Woods, you know, the speed sweeps, the bright lights might be on him a little bit more to where Cooper Cup gets some more favorable matchups every now and then. I, you know, as, I, as know. I look at it, I, I think they use them pretty much the same they way. They do. Do you see a difference in how they use them? No, I think that's the beauty of it. You don't really, you can't really hold them to, oh, wait, this guy does this and this guy does that. They're very interchangeable. The only thing I would say where Woods gets a little bit more than Cup is Woods is more of the speed sweep guy. They do use him more in that fashion. But you're right. As far as the pass game's concerned and all that, they have a very similar skill set. That's where it, that, that's why it was hard for me to pick there. I don't I don't know. I, I'm go, who did I say I was going to go with? I went with um, Cup. 
just because I think he could sneak by there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's a close one. Nitpicking there. I, I think they're both going to be. Ooh, are they both going to be under? That, l- let's let's focus on that. Oh As yeah, I yeah. Said, yeah. What am I talking 59 about? Fifty nine and a half. Right. Well, I said which one's going to have more. But cups at fifty nine and a half is the over under. Woods is at fifty eight and a half. Are you leaning both being under that number? I think I am. Yeah, I'm leaning both being under. And like you know, I could see them. You know, hey, Woods being at fifty four yards, Cooper Cup being at forty eight yards, Gerald Everett maybe has a few catches added in there. You know, Reynolds he gets involved. The backs get a few catches. I I feel like it's going to be that kind of night rather than. Oh, they're just, you know, using one guy to abuse the Patriots. We know the Patriots don't really let that happen. Gerald Everett has a 24 and a half over under for receiving yards tonight. More interceptions tonight. Of course, there's a chance they'll have the same. But Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey, if one has more than the other, who will it be? I think if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick Jalen Ramsey. Um, I, I just feel but, like, but won't you just not throw to whoever he's covering? Isn't that what Josh I, McDaniels, the one coaching point for Cam Newton tonight, never throw to the guy that Ramsey's covering? It, 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 it could be, uh, yes. If it's man to man and they see that, you're right. That's probably going to be a matchup they don't mess with. Mm, maybe you might, Mike. You, I think your thoughts right there. I'm going to switch that. I'm going to go to Stefan Gilmore. I like that thought. I think you're exactly right. And. I mean, whether it's man, whether it's zone, wherever Ramsey is, come out of Avoid the huddle. Him. First, first look for Aaron Donald, then look for Jalen Ramsey, and make sure you never throw to wherever Jalen Ramsey is. I, I guess where I just went with Ramsey a little at first is I just feel like I, I just don't think the Patriots are going to be able to run the ball, run the ball. Like at some point, there's going to be we got to make a few throws or a few plays. I just think the Rams' two defense is too good to be just blown out of the water in the run game, and that's why I kind of said the – the Ramsey thing, but your point is real. And I think they will be careful of him and who knows if they throw the ball enough anyway. So because of everything you just said, you swayed me. I'm going to go with Gilmore. If, if there's interceptions, Gilmore's going to get it. All right. Uh, I'll agree with you as well. I, well, think I agreed with you. You said it guy. first. Yeah. I'll agree with you. You agree with me. I'll agree with you. We agree with each other. Uh, my, my point is there's a chance neither guy has an interception. No, I was I thinking would... about just saying that it's going to be zero. Um, yes. But, uh, but we'll see. It's, it's, I, I I'm excited for this game tonight. I, I am too. I, you know that 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 new stadium hasn't been showcased the way that maybe it could or should be. It does stink that fans aren't there. Hopefully by next year, that will be different. But to see the Patriots and the Rams on the field again, even though the Rams have different uniforms, uh, they, they, there's going to be something special about it. I love these Super Bowl rematches, and every year you get a few of them. We're going to get one tonight, and it should be fun to watch. Let's go ahead and take a break. Yep. Leaves us a little more time to do the all-important Week 14 matchups draft. The most important uh, head-to-head matchups, whether it's players, coaches, whoever, will do that when PFT Live continues right after this. For the Bears, for the Chicago Sun-Times up here. I'm curious, you don't strike me as a guy who, who needs any added motivation, but is there any facing the Bears? And, and also, can you appreciate why this is an important storyline uh, for other teams uh, who have watched their team uh uh, not draft you or pass on you? Nah, it's no motivation. Um, you know, that's what the organization went with. You know, I had no ties, nothing against the Chicago Bears or the organization. I mean, of course, you know, the media is going to make stories. And like you said, you know, for those fans, they're going to, of course, say something about it. But, you know, for me personally, that's no motivation and nothing like that. You know, they did what they did. And, um, and, and just keep pushing forward. 
Deshaun Watson facing the Chicago Bears this weekend. Of course, the Bears taking Mitchell Trubisky, trading up a spot to take Mitchell Trubisky and passing on both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, as several other teams did. And uh, now they'd surely love to have Mahomes or Watson, anyone but Trubisky, but it could be. I, I don't know who's playing this weekend for the Bears. I don't think anybody cares at this point. But I think it's Trubisky. Top matchup. Top matchups for week 14. Chris, you've got the trivia question for me. Okie dokie. Your favorite quarterback. Your favorite quarterback, Mike Florio, of your favorite team. Kirk Cousins has nine TDs over the last three weeks. Second most of any QB in that span. What NFC QB has more than him? Oh, boy. That's a good question. That means I'm buying time. It's got to be O. Aaron Rodgers. Of course it is. Oh, thy great one striketh again. Yep, there you go. Okay, was that specifically picked by you just so you no. can heap some more praise on Aaron Rodgers? I've not, you know, I'm not. And I, had only, I haven't been heaping that much praise. Think about how many times this year you've got on me because I haven't praised him enough. So right. I will say this. I don't understand why he, in the sports books, points bet, whatever, is such a far second behind Patrick Mahomes in the MVP. I don't understand that. I, I really don't. To me, it should be Rodgers leading Mahomes by just a hair in the MVP race. That's just the way I see it. Sorry. Go ahead. I think if the Packers end up with the number one seed and the Chiefs don't, that's going to make for a tough vote because I still think there's something to be said for the quarterback of the one seed getting extra consideration. But, but you know, and each week the odds are getting – smaller better yeah they're getting smaller for Mahomes and for Rodgers yeah uh, and they're they're separating from the rest and of course your boy blue has now leapfrogged oh Russell Wilson into the third spot but but there's still a big gap between Mahomes Rodgers and the rest of the field all right first one for me boy I didn't want the first pick there is all right I'll take really it fine go ahead quiet, no no I'm taking it, it. Oh, okay. I'm taking it uh let, let me go to tonight Belichick and McVay yeah. Super Bowl 53 rematch um Belichick cracked the code on that offense two years ago, held it to three points. And and I don't care what McVay or Jared Goff or anyone else says. They're, they're going to be thinking about what happened on that day in Atlanta less than two years ago. It really wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things, even though the world has changed dramatically since that day in early 2019. I, I think that, that the chess match that happens tonight yeah. is going to be one of the most fascinating of the weekend, if not the year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it, it, it's, it's cool because, I mean, we know both these guys, smart as hell, right? Evil genius versus kid genius, all that. I mean, uh, that's awesome. But um, two, I think like, you know, what we talked about a little earlier, the fact that McVay's played two Patriots assistants already, you know, in the Giants and the Dolphins, you know, who does that help, you know? Who does that help? Does that help? you know, McVay to go, wait, this is what this coaching regime is doing to me. So now I got to be ready to do this or does it help, you know, Belichick and go, okay, I saw what they did. And now I'll just have a few things I do differently. I, I think that is a, it's a good pick. It was one I was thinking about with my first, let me pick. ask you a question. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Cause, yeah. Cause we hear from time to time, how coaches will coordinate kind of off the record, off the books to, to assist each other based upon the fact that they've played, someone could you see I don't think the Patriots are enough of a threat to the Dolphins right now but maybe they are could you see Flores kind of kind of sharing with McVeigh 
what he thinks Belichick will do or has done or what to watch out for. I can't imagine I don't that think level so. of double agent I happening, don't. right? No, I don't. And and I think the, the real reason would be because I'm sure Brian Flores would like to just stick it to the Patriots and go, here you go. But he'd be giving the tricks within his own defense away too, right? right. I think that's ultimately why he would not want to do that or coaches don't do that. So You're right. You yeah, know. He's going to face McVay again at some point. Right. So he goes, I don't want him to know like, hey, when you were in this formation – I and Belichick were thinking this, and that's why we kept stopping you or whatever. Yeah, that, that would be, be my first thought. Um, all right, I'm going to go to our game Sunday night. My boy Blue versus Blitzburg. Yeah, I, that matchup. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, Josh Allen has entered, you know, superstar stratosphere. I can take over a game at a given point. I don't care what your defense is and all of that. Pittsburgh has not played a, a quarterback or an offense like this all year long. This will by far be their biggest test they've had to face. And there's a lot of problems that like Josh Allen and company present. So, you know, I know it's not a one-on-one matchup here, but can their pass rush contain Josh Allen? Hey, that 49ers pass rush is pretty good. They couldn't contain him the other night. And then can Pittsburgh cover, you know, the Buffalo Bills? Pittsburgh wants to play zone coverage. The 49ers played zone coverage. He picked it apart. Then they got, oh, we have to play man, even though we don't like to play man, and he picked it apart. So that, to me, is going to be a very interesting matchup. What Pittsburgh can do to keep him off kilter, can they pressure him and contain him and do all that? Uh, I'm excited to watch that on, on our channel Sunday night. Yeah, that, that should be a great, great game, and it's it's one of the great remaining games of the regular season, as we pointed out in yesterday's draft. All right, next one for me. And we already talked about Brian Flores, and and this is a sneaky great game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins on Sunday. Brian Flores versus the Chiefs passing game because, Chris, and I was reminded of this yesterday, it was that AFC Championship game a couple of years ago when Flores was still working for the Patriots where they came up with a way to neutralize Tyreek Hill, the man coverage underneath the 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 single high safety who presumably was covering him. anyone and everyone, but, but was doubling Hill. Right. What are they going to do? How do they pick their poisons here? Travis Kelsey's having a great year. Tyreek Hill is still Tyreek Hill. They've got other weapons at their disposal in the Kansas City Chief passing game. What will the Dolphins do, and how will Brian Flores deploy his guys to to try to take away a Tyreek Hill or slow down a Travis Kelsey? It's the thing. If you lean too far to stop one guy, you open things up for the other guy. It, it's going to be very interesting to see what Flores does as the guy who's running the show, right? not the guy who's working for the guy who runs the show. Yeah, this is why I'm mad you got the first pick because I wanted that pick. I wanted that right there. I, I wasn't going to quite put it. You could have done it, and well, you, you did have a pick before mine. Well, I know, but I did. then I might have lost blue to the Blitzburg defense too. I had to make a choice there, so I went with that one. Um, but – I mean, you're right. I, I was going to use more of the angle of the the Dolphins secondary versus the Chiefs wide receivers, but because of all the same thoughts you talked about. And the Dolphins are one of the few teams in all of football that can kind of match up with the receivers. That, that's, hey, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, it really doesn't get much better than those two as far as a combo. You know, they still got the rookie first rounder they drafted, who I can't say his last name, out of Auburn. He plays well. They got good secondary guys. I mean, this is going to be interesting. I mean, I I think that game will be close. I think I would be shocked if the Chiefs blew him out. I don't know. We'll see. And, and Flor- Flores is sandbagging a little bit. He said yesterday he'd like to have 14 players on defense. I, I, th- I think he's trying 
to get the Chiefs to sleepwalk a little bit, make them think that it's going to be easy. Yeah. I, I, it's the Jedi right. mind trick. I don't think it's going to work, but uh, right. he doesn't need 14. He's good enough to get it done with 11. Yeah, well, yeah, he's uh, he's using like, uh, you know, like Belichick is doing tonight where there are 70 guys on the questionable roster. It's like a little little subtle subtle mind trick there. Um, all right. Since you stole my damn pick, I'm all flustered now. I think I'm going to go to the Browns uh, Browns Ravens game though, and specifically the Browns O line versus Ravens D line. I mean, this game is going to be one in the trenches. We know that both these teams want to run the football, and you really, you know, can't depend on the passing game, you know, to win you the football game. We're seeing Baker and Cleveland are obviously better in the passing game, but I mean, hey. Uh, one thing I, I'm, I'm mad we didn't talk about more yesterday with the Ravens, you know, just why we're on it here is just the Ravens pass game is is concerning. I don't care what they did to Dallas the other night. It's unbelievable how average it is. There's just nothing there. I sit and watch on film, on TV, whatever. There's no people open. There's no great design. Uh, but I, I still, I have more confidence, I guess, at the base level to just say, I think the Ravens can run on Cleveland. I do because Cleveland's run defense is not that great. All of those things. I, 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 I think Cleveland can run on the Ravens D line. I think Ravens D line has shown that they can be pushed around here the last few weeks. So it's a little concerning, but I'm not sure. Calais Campbell. Hey, at least he's back healthy. Maybe they're going to be a little bit better this game. But to me, that's the matchup that determines the game. If Cleveland can run the ball on Baltimore, they're going to win. Uh, I, I, I feel confident of that, but if it's like, Hey, Nick Chubb's got 60 yards and Kareem Hunt's only got like 40 yards and something like that, then Baltimore is going to win the football game. All right. The next one for me, and there's a few I can choose from, but you know what, from the standpoint of overall intrigue and excitement, Jamal Adams versus the Jets, anyone from the Jets, anyone who gets close to him in a Jets uniform, any Jets coach, any person representing directly or indirectly the New York Jets organization because we know how fiery and emotional Jamal Adams is. He's been waiting for this one from the moment he got what he wanted, his trade out of New York. My only regret is Le'Veon Bell isn't still on the Jets because they went back and forth about their meeting coming up in mid-December. But yeah, I want to see everything Jamal Adams does when he interacts with anyone from the Jets, Chris. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I would think he's going to be volatile and you know, very passionate and in their face and talking crap, especially if they get a lead, it could add to the intensity and the the chippiness of this football game, you know, altogether. So uh, I'm with you there. That, that'll be a pretty good one. That was one I had written down. It's probably going to be the one I was going to take next. Now I'm, I'm going to go to Kyler versus Kyler versus the Giants D line. Uh, you know, just, hey, the way the Giants D-line played last week and containing Russell Wilson, their defensive attack on that side of the ball. You know, I, I feel like we've talked about this with like four different matchups today again, but the New England coaching staff versus scrambling quarterback and all that. And at the very base level, where I take it more than just Kyler, Cliff Kingsbury's offense needs more. It needs more. It's too simple. People have figured it out. And if you can just contain Kyler Murray, you got a chance to win the football game. And Kyler Murray, yeah, he's being contained. And then he's not throwing the ball real well either, Mike, right lately. He's just not. He's off his game. So if the they shoulder's gotta, messed up. Yeah, he, he must he's be. fine. The shoulder's messed it up. It must be. He's got to get it going, though, if they want any chance to win this game coming out here in the East Coast in, in a cold-weather game. 
or get to the playoffs. They right. lose this one, and I think they are done. We're done just for a few minutes. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Dr. Alan Sills, the NFL's chief medical officer, speaking on a conference call on Wednesday regarding the possibility of a playoff bubble. There's no magic about a bubble, Sills said. In fact, there's the same challenge within a bubble. Let's be clear, COVID-19 does not fear a bubble. The vulnerability inside a bubble is the same, which is full compliance of protocol at all times. We believe it's all about compliance. I, I, what? Sorry. What? Sorry. No, no, okay. no. At a time when the numbers are skyrocketing in the communities into which the players are being sent every night, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I reject it. All due respect, Dr. Sills, I reject that position. This is all about the NFL not wanting to come off as desiring a bubble because they don't want to have to give the player. They hope the players come to them and say, hey, can you put us in a hotel? For the rest of the year so we aren't out in the community among all these people who have it and the numbers are going up every day so chris i i, I don't buy it they they're better off in a bubble uh, i'm with you mike i mean it's it's this is the most direct evidence so far of like everything you've said that there it's this game this cat and mouse negotiation bullcrap game here but i mean i i just i can't buy that either he's toting the company line there i mean that that's what Here's he's a, well bottom line Panthers have an outbreak. Why? Why? Because according to Sills, they had a gathering away from the facility. Well, right. if you're in a bubble, that isn't going to happen. We just Plain saw hockey Case and baseball closed. in a bubble and not have any positive tests. And then we saw baseball go to a playoff bubble and like one guy got it. So bubbles work. I don't know. That, uh, that, that to me is total NFL propaganda right there. Well, I, look, bottom line is they're going to check every box in the regular season and in the postseason. And if and, and they're banking on the teams voluntarily choosing, the players voluntarily choosing to go into a bubble. That's what I think is going to happen. What's going to happen now is we're going to say goodbye until tomorrow. Have a great day. See ya.